Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today, we have a bit of a crowd, a little more than the Brady Bunch. We've got Heidi. I think you got Jen with you, I think, Heidi. So I'm going to say Heidi and Jen, Tina, Brad, and Brian, and Dennis, and Derek, and Drew, and Russ, and Scotty so far. I think I hit alphabetical there. Let's just open with a serenity prayer. I want to do that today, which is not a normal deal for me. Let's do that. God, grant me the serenity. To accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. A lot of people are attracted to Taoist thought because, because they don't want to address God, the idea of God. How do y'all approach the serenity prayer? I'm just curious. Dennis, how do you approach that? Dennis is one that will have an opinion, I know. I have an opinion. Sometimes I have three different opinions on every topic. <laughs> Lately, I, it changes with time. Right now, it's it's a surrender prayer yeah. for me. Also, I surrender to the things I cannot change, and, but I also have to surrender to the things I can and just do it. Yeah. So it, it's it's a lot about surrendering, like the whole program for me. That's how I approach it. I mean, does it offend you for somebody to talk about God? You not anymore. No, not anymore. That's. That's it. Sometimes I took when it became too into to the when people started quoting, quoting uh, Bible verses at the meeting and 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 used the name uh, the Lord of Savior Jesus Christ. I will always find a way that that hey we have steered so way so far away from Jesus' teachings. Yeah. So in my mind, I uh, I instantly just judge people that that go there because. We have totally, that's my opinion. I think we have capitalized Jesus Christ. So made it into a great business. Then somebody can, can quote something about the Buddha that is totally, probably incorrect, but we don't get offended. Yeah, that's, or it's mm-hmm. the same. People would probably do the same. And then if I was raised with the Buddhist tradition, I would probably do the same with that. Then I'll find a way to do that. So that's just my sick mind of judging so I can, detach myself or uh, whatever you want to do that the opposite of what I'm taught in the program. So, so I got to watch out that I don't go into a rabbit hole with that. (laughs) For sure. Anyone else had to struggle through that whole God thing that wants to share about it? I'll tell you how I had to handle that too. For a long time, I couldn't say the Lord's prayer at the end of the meeting. I started attacking and judging Dennis, like you said. And then I realized that every person has their own God language, every person. And so it's no different than someone else speaking a different physical language. Like Dennis, what do you speak? Danish? Is that right? Is that your other? Yeah. When you speak Danish, that doesn't mean that you're speaking an inferior language to English. That's your native language. So it's just your language it's nothing for me i don't get offended when i if i heard you speak danish i wouldn't start attacking you and so i don't remember buddy i actually remember one time at pine mountain where i 
came up and said, in Denmark, we do this. And you looked at me with the sarcasm that we bind with sometimes, uh, saying, then we're not in Denmark right now, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Overall, when we're talking about these spiritual things, I realize that every person has their own God language. I just have to give them the freedom. And it changes. It changes with time. My ideas of all of that have changed and gotten simpler. That's the great thing about Taoist thought is that it it can apply to all of that. Talking about the fifth verse today, I will open with Stephen Mitchell. And if you got, actually, I'll open with the Jonathan Starr. I'll let someone else read the Stephen Mitchell. This is Jonathan Starr. If you enjoy studying this, I would highly suggest buying the Jonathan Starr translation and commentary. If you go to buddyc.org, actually there we've got a lot of announcements and resources and such. If you look under the bookstore, which is under resources, this book is in the bookstore and you can link directly to Amazon to buy it. But I'll read the fifth verse. And he's got the Chinese in the back. So you can actually do your own translation of each of these with this commentary. So it's an incredible book. I use it all the time. Heaven and earth have no... Hold on, guys. I got to put the dogs out. Out. Okay. Okay, this is Jonathan Starr, fifth verse. Heaven and earth have no preference. I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we'll talk about them. Heaven and earth have no preference. A man may choose one over another, but to heaven and earth, all are the same. The high, the low, the great, the small, all are given light. All get a place to rest. The sage is like heaven and earth. To him, none are especially dear, nor is there anyone he disfavors. He gives and gives without condition, offering his treasure to everyone. The universe is like a bellows. It stays empty, yet it is never exhausted. It gives out, yet always brings forth more. Man's not like this. When he blows out air like a bellows, he becomes exhausted. Man has not, man was not made to blow out air. He was made to sit quietly and find the truth within. I'm going to use it, Scotty. Scotty and I were meeting earlier. It's the emptiness beyond emptiness. That was from one of our, the other thing we were reading this morning. I'm like, wow, that sounds spiritual. I'm going to have to use it in less than 15 minutes and I'm using it. Comments, guys? Who has a verse that they, a translation they want to read? Well, I have Stephen Mitchell's right here in hand. Okay. So I'll do that. The Tao doesn't take sides. It gives birth to both good and evil. The master doesn't take sides. She welcomes both saints and sinners. The Tao is like a bellows. Do I say that right, bellows? Yes. I think so. Okay. You know what that is, Dennis? Isn't it one of those blowing things? Yeah, like you used to. That you to a fire pit? Yeah. Okay. It is empty, yet inf- infinity capable. The more you use it, the more it produces. The more you talk of it, the less you understand. Hold on to the center. Uh, I really like Stephen Mitchell because it's like he's boiling it down and makes it very simple. Yes. I really like that. The more you talk about it, the less you understand. Yeah. 
that's like A and A, right? We have all these things, and it's so interesting. We have twelve steps, twelve traditions. We have rule number sixty-two. We have twelve concepts, and and all this. And then in the end of it, we say, "Keep it simple," right? <laughs> <laughs> and in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, you have a lot of people that really we we all like to talk, but I really think that we meet in between the words where the silence is where that's where i find it. that's actually interesting thanks dennis brian yeah i've got the see it's the uh, jeff pepper version uh, translation and it says heaven and earth aren't kind to them ten thousand things are as straw dogs the sage isn't kind to him the common people are as straw dogs isn't the space between heaven and earth like bellows? It is empty but cannot be exhausted. The more it moves, the more comes out. The more you talk, the weaker you become. Better to remain centered. So the more you talk, the weaker you become. Um, I like that. Do y'all know what straw yeah. dogs are? Okay, they've used straw dogs a couple of times, but straw dogs were straw animals that they would make up to use for different rituals and things. And so that's saying that, well, the McDonald version says heaven and earth are impartial. They treat all of creation as straw dogs. The master doesn't take sides. She treats everyone like a straw dog. So it's something that is useful for a time and then thrown away, but they treat everyone the same and they're impartial toward anyone. They treat all the same. And even in this is the master doesn't take sides. So it's like on, not only in physical things, but in our interactions with other people, we don't take sides either. The master treats them all the same. Just thinking about what this says to me, the first part to me reminds me of just non-judgmental awareness, just being present, being with whatever I'm with, whoever I'm with, down not taking sides. It's fine with whatever comes. The second part being more of selfless service, just serving others. The more you can do it selflessly, the more I do it without thinking about what's in it for me. What are people thinking about me? Wanting to get credit, wanting to think about getting into the ego of it and what's my motivation for it. I know that when I'm in the situation where I am, I am serving others and not doing it without expecting credit or thinking about what's in it for me. I know I can do it for a longer amount of time and people always enjoy, uh, enjoy my presence or whatever I'm doing whenever I'm not making it about me. And I'm only able really to do that when I'm not taking sides, not thinking about good or bad, not thinking about, I want this or I need to avoid this. So I really, this verse reminds me to just be present with whatever I'm doing, ask how I can help, just take notice, not make it all about me. And I like the last line in the Stephen Mitchell, hold on to the center. I remember when I read this for the first time, the 
the image that came to my mind was I mean, it just popped up. It was me being really little in the middle of a merry-go-round. I don't know if you you were little and never stood in the the very middle of a merry-go-round, but all the kids are going around and it's just kind of chaos on the outside. But when you're in the center of it, it's just going really slowly and calmly. And you can actually take a couple steps in the opposite direction and stay still right in the middle of it. And there's just all this chaos going on around people coming on, going off and screaming and yelling. And, but if you're in the middle of it, I, I remember being really little and, and really liking being in that spot. That was a fun spot to be in. It was just calm when all the chaos was going around. That was the image I got from it. Wow, what a great analogy. Thank you, Drew. That's good. That's good. Russ. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it, uh, that whole thing makes me think of being like water. There's other places. And I grabbed out the Jonathan Star Tube, so I got a little rejectment over that. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> He happens to be one of my favorites, but uh, there's other verses that talk about, um, I don't know, I'm right off the top of my head, but talking about water quenches the thirst of everybody, essentially, but doesn't judge. It's not going to be like, oh, this person's wicked or this person's virtuous. It it quenches the thirst of everybody. And at the same time, it's going to rain on everyone all at the same time, you know? Um, and I kind of think I see it that way. I really do also appreciate that analogy of sitting in the middle of the merry-go-round. And I definitely remember that. This is probably outlawed at this point. I don't know, probably illegal completely, but many injuries from those as a kid. But yeah, that's, um, that's uh, when you sit and you meditate, at least for me, it's very much like that calm in the center of the storm. And if when it's when I move away from that that things do things start to pull you, just the same way that uh, that gravitational pull yanks on you, you become a little bit more I don't know more at the mercy of the forces around you. And it's not about fighting it; it's not about pushing against it. It's about just sit and calm and sit and still. So thanks. Thanks, Russ. That reminds me of a quote from the Gospel of Thomas. It's, Jesus said, be a passerby, learning to sit still. Yeah. Hold to the center. Brad, good to have you today, sir. Thanks, buddy. Good to be here. And uh, if I leave a little early, it's not because I'm protesting, just because I'm picking up my daughter for camp. But uh, um, hearing the we're not meant to blow out, but to sit in in quiet together with the straw dog idea made me think about judging others either as bad, you know, raging against all the things that should holding on too tightly, those things that I do. Either way, pouring myself out so totally getting so wrapped up in that other that I'm lost. I'm no longer really fully me. Um, And all I've got is that being against whatever it is or being so for it that I can't even 
I know have a longer sense of self in, in the center and realizing that they're all straw dogs, then they have, not, it's not going to be all my purpose, but they have a purpose, but they're also not permanent. And so I can let it go. I can let go of my rage, whatever that is, but I can also realize like those that I love, but want to hold on so tightly they're not permanent either and being able to let them go as well and then that goes back to acceptance to accept them as they are and not to have to hold on as though they are going to be forever but like you said be a passerby let it go that's where it speaks to me thank you brad oh also i'm wondering if you got a bump in sales on your book last couple of weeks i've mentioned it and it's in the bookstore the hurt the blessed and the damned great title by the way thank you thank you and i'll take a look i got another review so that was uh, that was probably from there appreciate it cool cool if you and actually brad's book is about that trudging from the spirituality i was right with the religion I was raised with to the spirituality I'm finding and making that transition is how I see Brad's book. Thank you, Brad, for that. I want to read about straw dogs. I found the text that explains it. Before the straw dog was offered in sacrifice, it is kept in a box wrapped up in an embroidered cloth and the erger Fast, oh, and the person using it fast before using it. So it's a very spiritual, very important, very respected thing. So you fast before using it, it's kept in a box, wrapped in an embroidered cloth, all those things. But when it has once been offered up, passers by trample over its body and fuel gatherers pick it up for burning. So it's a very respected thing until it's used and then once it's used it's no longer it's thrown away more or less or used even to burn a burn in the fire what this text is saying is that we treat everything and everyone including our opinions of others our interactions with others as straw dogs brad you reminded me of something it's a quote that i heard in a meeting not long ago and it was that we hold we hold the world with an open hand. Ah, that's perfect. That we let things just sit in our hand. We don't grab them. And I think this is a description of that. Any other comments? Derek? Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yes. There's a couple of things. I, I was looking up straw dogs when you first mentioned it. I didn't know what it was, and I'm glad you explained it. And But there's this movie, and... And I, you and I was talking about movies. I had to click on it called Straw Dogs. And then it was made in 1971, has Dustin Hoffman in it. But it's based on a Tao Te Ching reference to exactly what you said, a ceremonial straw dog that has ceremonial worth, but afterwards is discarded. But And then I just thought I'd give my thought on the first vibe. The first part in the Stephen Mitchell reminds me of not judging others. Um, 
like it's real easy for me to go oh that person's politics or my neighbor I don't agree with and it just reminds me to try not to do that and uh, honestly the second part I don't really know how to interpret but I think you guys did a pretty good job of unpacking it other than to say it seems like trying to describe what God is it reminds me of that everybody has a different interpretation but the more we talk about it, maybe the less we agree. I did, I'm reminded when I'm a kid. When I was a kid, I would always get annoyed that other people didn't like the same song I liked as much as I liked it. <laughs> like, how can this not be your favorite song? Honestly, I could still do that as an adult. <laughs> and I'm like, or people do that all the time with like Netflix series. You haven't seen that series? That's the best series in the world. Like, ah, it's stupid. The character goes off on a thing or whatever. I don't know, but uh, maybe just to not hold so tightly to our opinions. Yeah, that's all I got. Drew, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Derek. Drew, yeah, the what you mentioned, one of the last things you said, keeping your hand open, and then the last thing Derek just mentioned about not clinging to your own opinions. I think those both go really well together. Keep your opinions, if you have them in your hand, open, let them leave when they're, when it's time for them to leave and they can be replaced by something better. Hopefully not <laughs> more opinions, but may, maybe just nothing. Maybe it's fine for your hand to just to be holding nothing at that point. But that, that image of just leaving your hand open, I really like that. It made me think of just being out in nature. If you leave your hand open, something is probably going to land on it at some point, butterfly or maybe even a bird or something. And at that point, if you close your hand up, for one thing, you might kill whatever just landed on it. Or if you try to close your hand, something, whatever you're going to want to take control of is going to fly off. But leave your hand open and the bird or butterfly or whatever it'll leave when it's time and that leaves room for the next thing to come let you appreciate it and let it appreciate you it leaves when it's time it reminded me of another a lot of this stuff brings back memories from being little but i i remembered going out and catching fireflies when i was young go out in the dark and you see them and they're flashing you chase them down and finally you them with your hands closing together and you can look in and see them flashing and then let them go when it's when you're ready to and they go on but you don't there's no point in just holding on to it and keeping it and this is my lightning bug it's not it's time to let it go I I like those images Uh let me ask you a question how do we apply that holding with an open hand to things more that we feel more important in life, like our job or relationship, or if I'm holding something with an open hand, I'm holding it, but I'm not trapping it. And I think that's the real, one of the goals for me, because that's surrender, because I'm not holding the thing. So it can come and go. I'm just giving it a place to rest. Giving it safety for the moment, giving it shelter. Yeah. If it is 
a little animal of some sort, it's safe in my hand. If something tries to come in and take it from me, I can move my hand away. I can protect it. But at the same time, like you said, when it's ready for it to go, it's ready for it to go. So how to apply it to more important things in life, people I care about or job or house or something like that. I can know that these are things that are they're in my hand right now. I don't possess them. They're just, they're there. I can keep them safe. I can admire them. But at the same time, it's not my job to grasp onto them, to tell them when it's not time to leave. I can allow them to leave. I can appreciate when they were here and that just leaves space for the next thing to come. Just accepting change. Something that's always been hard for me. It reminds me of the AA quote. I think it's from the 24 hours that says that we wear the world like a loose garment. Same kind of deal. Thank you, Drew. Dennis. Yes, actually, to remind me of the open hand metaphor reminds me of that old poem. And especially when we say God is love, right, from the Bible. And I'm thinking is love is like a bird. So if you hold it too tight, you're going to squeeze it. If you hold it too loose, it's going to fly away. Yet if you open your hand and let it fly away, if it comes back to you, it's meant to be. That was what it reminded me of a little bit. So we wear it like a loose garment and we don't take possessions of of people we know or other things in our life. That's what I really like about the old man. And then I want to go back to, I really like your intro to this, because if I'm taking these two, two, uh, two verses that, that, that Stephen Mitchell is using, and I, if I refer it to my godly belief, and, and it is like that, the Tao doesn't take sides. You can, like you said, you can use it for every religion, whatever you believe in. And that's how I can see through everything without without judgments, that I don't go in and judge other people's way of seeing this. And that's why I don't use the word God so much when I talk about it. I like to say the I don't understand. Because if I think I do understand it, then I come in here and I start talking about it. And it says right down there in the end of it, the more you talk about it, the less you understand. And that's how it becomes confusing. So I'll always refer to that power I don't understand. And that's easier for me. Because even when we're sitting here talking about it and, and the lyrics here, it will always just be a straw dog. It gets you to that point, but it will never get you fully. That's in between the words. That's in the silence in between for me. So that's how I see it. So the words are straw dogs, too. Yes. Yes, that's pretty much it. Wow. Sometimes we're latching on to that. It's really only gets us to the point of intellect. But for me, it has to go back to that emptiness that I keep seeing here. It has to go back to that, where there is no human thoughts in it. But it's beyond that. That's, and that's Tao. And that power I don't understand is beyond thoughts. So, yeah. You mentioned the Bible and that God is love. There, There's lots of other traditions that say that God is love as well. So that's not an exclusive Bible idea. I didn't find that out until 
I started studying other belief systems. Mm-hmm. There, God is love is across all of most all of the belief systems that I know of. Thanks, thanks, Dennis. Tina. Hello. <clears throat> I loved what everyone has said so far. I love how people can interpret what we've read into what they need to hear at this moment. That's the beautiful thing, because you can read this so many times, but depending on where you're at in life, you hear something different. It's been a handful of years since I've read this verse, and so I didn't remember what a straw dog was. But let me tell you about my journey as you talked about it. When when we were talking about a straw dog and, and the grandiosity of it, I thought, oh, that's, yeah, we are so amazing, and we're to be celebrated, and we are like straw dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and then I hear the second part and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. We're just like everybody else. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was so smart. <laughs> but that was my journey. And and I find comfort in that sometimes. When I used to live in the needing to be the director and needing when I was living in my alcoholic lifestyle, I that just wasn't, that wasn't where I was. And um, I just lost my train of thought. So with that, <laughs> I'll pass. Less is more. That's all I had. Thank you, Tina. That's good, dear. Scotty. Hey, good morning, everybody. Yeah, when I read it, I had some interesting thoughts that when it says doubt doesn't take sides, it gives birth to good and evil and heaven has no preference and we're all straw dogs we're all just going to get thrown into a fire and sacrificed. It actually made me think of the last couple of years of my drinking where I didn't really want to continue living and I didn't really want to die either. I felt I don't matter. Nothing matters. Everything sucks. Just this vacant emptiness, just nothingness. Coming into recovery and, and learning about the Tao and trying to lead a spiritual life it puts it back into a perspective more along the lines of humility, that life isn't something that is happening to me, that the universe isn't something that's directing me or I'm directing it. You said holding the universe in an open hand, being a passerby, and just allowing things to be as they are and enjoying my specific part in these. I'm neither too important nor am I not important enough. And it makes me think, a lot about page 85 in the big book where it says we are not fighting it neither are we avoiding temptation we feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality safe and protected that's how the verse makes me feel i'm not too important and i'm not a piece of shit i'm just a part of the universe and that's what i get to be because before i really wanted to be something other than what i actually am but this has been awesome so far. Thanks for everybody for uh, chiming in. Thanks, Scotty. Yes, good conversation. He was made to sit quietly and find the truth within. Brian. Yeah, I'm really getting a lot from this as well. It, I was reading the last couple of sentences from the Derek Lynn version. It says, too many words hasten failure cannot compare to keeping quiet. And uh, what's coming up for me is keeping my ego in check. And and you've heard that an analogy of your hula hoop and and staying in my hoop and not getting out of sight of that. 
because when I tend to do that, I, or when I do that, I tend to make messes of varying degrees. And that's what speaks to me. And I like what Scotty said about the universe. To me, it's, it comes up just going with the flow and, and accepting what is, accepting what I can change and what I can't. So this is good stuff. I needed it. Thanks. Thank you, Brian. Now, this is not an AA meeting. You can double and triple deal. So don't worry about that if you've got another comment. Uh, Drew. That, that reminded me the, the the idea of just treating everybody, I hate to say equally, but just meeting people where they are and seeing the good in them. How about this, Drew? Treat. How about not taking their actions personally? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, whether in the moment or in the past, whether it was towards you or toward whatever their political beliefs are, whatever, just meeting this is a person. This is just a person. I can treat them. I can treat them well because they deserve to be treated well. It reminded me, I drove through the South. I think it was in Alabama. It was on a state road, and there was a big group of motorcyclists in front of me. The tough guy, motorcyclist. And the guy in the very rear had one of those. It was a two-wheel little caboose. I don't know what to call it, but he was he had one of those trailing him full of, it looked like something that holds gear. And it had a bumper sticker on it, or it may have been painted on, written on, whatever. But it said, the rule of the road, if you be good to me, then I'll be good to you. And I get where the sentiment is. But at the same time, he's he's only going to be good to you if you're good to him first. That's letting letting someone else control how you treat them. And that's giving up your control of how well you're going to treat somebody. I think treating somebody well, regardless of if they come at you well or if they come at you with poor intentions. The sentiment's there. I get it. <laughs> you be good to me, I'll be good to you. I think you can be good first without waiting for somebody to be good to you. It, it may be in the Tao Te Ching, but somewhere else there's an idea of anybody can be good to to somebody who treats them well. Anybody can trust somebody who's trustworthy. But giving trust to somebody who isn't trustworthy, that's real virtue. And I I like that. Thanks, Drew. You know, I realized that all these actions I used to take personally, I used to take sides about, uh, there weren't actions done to me. My ex-wife would treat any husband the way she treated me. <laughs> she, she wasn't doing that to Buddy. She was doing that to her husband. The same thing. I can think that same way <clears throat> with anything. I don't have to take any of these actions personally. And not to say that everything she did was bad. I'm not attacking her. I'm just saying that the interactions we had are just the actions with that person. And it's not, we don't have to take any of those things personally. Russ. Hey, so I'm going to throw all the way back to what Scotty was talking about. I really appreciate that. It made me think of the uh, the AA analogy that I've heard numerous times about being an egomaniac with low self-esteem, always either high or low. And it 
it brings into mind the, what I took as the main idea of verse 5 is that as human beings, that's our natural state. That's our natural state to be in ego. It's not our natural state to give because, like it says in the verse, if we, if we attempt to do that, we're going we're gonna to blow out. But I mean, um, and then in, in the latter part, it reminds us how to achieve that the best that we can. Because trying to rid ourselves of ego is, it's a noble affair, but at the end of the day, it seems like that's what brings us the most peace, at least for me. So if we try to do it to be noble, then it's saying, I'm the best at being humble. It zeroes itself out, but if we do it for our own peace and for the peace of those around us, then we achieve more in that endeavor, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah, thank you, Russ. Yeah, we can't stay in the center or hold things with an open hand if our egos involved because our egos are going to want to hold on to those things. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Russ. Tina. So we have this home video of my three-year-old and six-year-old fishing with my uncle. And my uncle was pulling some seaweed off of the fish and flinging it like off so the kids could look at the fish. Well, a couple drops of water landed on my son's face. And in the video, like years later, I was laughing about it because he says, he he just he gets the water on his face and he goes like, "Why you do that to me?" And he was so mad, <laughs> and he was just sure my uncle purposely just flung that water at him. But we say that around the house, "Why you do that to me?" But I say that in traffic now. I realize when I say it, like I take everything personally. Like, why are you doing that to me? And that's just such a three year old way. But that's my first reaction. My first response is usually three-year-old, little Tina. And it's, why did you do that to me? And it's crazy because I've been on this journey for so long. And like, why is the road rage just now really <laughs> starting to rear its ugly head? And I'm so irritated with joy. And I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be. I've come too far to be this irritated and just take everything personally. But when I can simplify it down to that it's how I think of it best. So when I'm in situations, I can think, why are you doing that to me? But they're not doing it to me. And one more thing, I think it might have even buddy been on a Dow meeting when I was trying to get on the meeting and something was happening and a truck cut me off. And I remember getting to the meeting and I or I pulled around the truck and really big, and I don't know if it's I think it's just the name, it said super ego. <laughs> And I had to crack up. And then I think I talked about it at the meeting. It's like I, I was taking it so personally. And then I read that. And it just, I love the way if you're looking for it in the unit, if you're looking for the signs, they're there. But that just was what I needed to see on that day. And it was just perfect. Thanks for letting me share that. Thanks, Tina. Yeah, traffic is an easy one to see the personal um, they don't pull out in front of buddies. They would have pulled out in front of anyone that was driving down the road at that moment. They're not doing that to me. That just shows how self-centered the ism. It's I, self, and me all the time. Thank you, Tina. Heidi, you're muted, dear. There you go. Hey. So I'm listening to this, and 
the stories about traffic just remind me of the story in, I think, Daily Reflection, where it talks about like levitating. So like you're in traffic and you're upset about the person in front of you. But then if you levitate and look up at the situation, like from above, that it's just like an old couple enjoying their Sunday drive or whatever. And so when I'm like getting into a difficult situation where I'm like stuck in myself, I try to get into that levitating place so I can look at it like from that perspective instead of like from my ego perspective. So I can have that ability to let it go, accept it and just move forward. Another thing that reminded me was there's an old timer that always says, this isn't happening to me. It's happening in my life. How am I going to walk it? And that's something I remember as well, often when I'm in a difficult situation. So that's all I got. Thanks, Jen. Good yeah. to have you today, dear. Thank you. Jamie, Heidi? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Once. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Thanks, Bob. Russ. Yeah, all the talk about traffic really, uh, it reminded me of something that happened just yesterday, actually. All those tough motorcycles I was riding, and uh, somebody actually tried to hit me with their truck. And so the first thought that I had was that was definitely personal. But when I sit back, I was like, wait a minute. That guy doesn't know me. I was wearing a helmet. He couldn't even see my face. He just saw a motorcycle. So what he did was more about him. Had nothing to do with him. It was he was acting out against whoever's telling him he can't have a motorcycle. Thank you, Russ. That's good. Yeah. Drew. The traffic part, I drove probably 25,000 miles a year in an urban area for work for a long time. So I was in traffic a lot. And one thing that that helped with that was, sorry, I didn't catch Heidi's friend's name, but what she was saying is just go above, levitate above, and just realize that all these people they're trying to get to where they want to go to. They don't want to be stuck in traffic. They don't want to take any longer to get to somewhere. So we've all got the same goal. We're all trying to get there. Why not just treat others like how I'd like to be treated? And then I also realize that if I'm in traffic and I'm complaining about traffic, I need to step back and realize I am traffic. I'm just as much of a part of traffic is this car and that car. If I'm complaining about being in traffic, that means I am a part of it. I'm not separate from it. I'm not one person in traffic and they are all conspiring to keep me from getting to where I want to be as quickly as possible. They have the same goals as me. They have the same desires and uh, for me to separate myself from them and complain about them when I'm, just as much a part of the problem as everybody else. What kind of ego is that to say that all of these people are keeping me from doing what I want to do when I'm just as much a part keeping the person behind me from going where they want to go. So that was a real humility check for me realizing that and Hey, this person wants to get to somewhere probably more important than whatever, wherever I want to get to. So I can let him in. I can be nice about it. Somebody cuts me off. That's fine. They might not have seen me or whatever. So just realizing I'm a part of the whole rather than separate from everybody else. That 
that lets me go through it with more ease and be kinder to everyone around me. Drew, you had my wish. I had thought of that moment. Yeah, I am traffic. That's good. That's real good. Thank you. Dennis. Traffic is definitely the one where I get to practice love and kindness, and I don't do it very well. That is interesting. (laughs) And it's not very healthy. So I'm learning slowly. But that's how I see it, and it's so interesting. I love what I heard. I become a little child so easily and I'll do everything to take people down there stepping on my ego instantly. It doesn't matter if it's in traffic and all that. So every situation, if I could just practice these to my actions instead of me just say, because it's so easy when we sit here and talk about it. But, but when I come out and put this to practice, I really have to humble down and just listen and just take that when, when, <laughs> The fear and all those things, I don't see it all manifest in anger and it comes out very sarcastically and very passive aggressively and people will retaliate. So it's so interesting and it's so hard to master. But when I can, I really want to already pet myself on the back. And when I start patting myself on the back, then I blow that ego up again. So it's, it's so interesting to see and follow. So if I can keep my mouth shut and if you're the case and I come in and just practice love and kindness, oh, my God, it would be amazing what I can experience there. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. Anyone else? Before we close, I want to run through this verse one more time. And I was looking at this verse, and this is a verse that you could. Oh, by the way, Dennis, you don't have to look for ways to apply this. When you're ready, they just show up in your life. It's like praying for patience. You get a line to stand in. You're going to get situations that you start getting angry about. I say, wait a minute, why am I getting angry about this? I'm taking this personally. You know, you can take this whole verse and apply it to individual things too. Just like we can take the steps and apply them to individual things, apply them to our business, apply them to a relationship, all those type things. If I have a situation that's causing me angst in some way, Am I taking sides in that situation? Am I judging the situation? Am I treating the situation as being more important than it really is? Am I taking it personally? Then if I move to the second, I'm looking at Stephen Mitchell. If I move to the second portion of that, the first portion was the Tao doesn't take sides. It gives birth to both good and evil. The master doesn't take sides. She welcomes both saints and sinners. Now, the second part, The Tao is like a bellows. It's empty yet infinitely capable. You know, we have to approach everything from a place of emptiness, that place of surrender that we learn in recovery. That's what the first three steps do for us. If we're doing the third step, we decide to turn our will and life over to the care of God as we understand God. Uh, I like to think of it as to the care of love. The rest of those steps teach me how to do that. They show me how to do that how to turn my will and life over. And that's where emptiness comes in. We have to approach everything from a place of, I don't know. I don't have this figured out. I am powerless over whatever. I use that all of the time. I can be in the middle of some thing that I'm doing, simple stuff that I'm powerless over this. And I'm amazed at the times just a solution comes to mind that I had no idea was a solution. The more you use it, the less you understand. 
isn't it great that we don't have to understand how recovery works anymore or how spirituality works? We just have to come from this place of emptiness. We just surrender. We'll never, I don't think I'll ever understand it. I think the whole point is for me to get comfortable with not understanding, taking the action. It's like someone was talking about, it was you, Drew, that was talking about the bumper sticker on the bike. We learned that if we show love, we're loved back. We learn that if we forgive, then we're forgiven. That's what the Lord's Prayer says. We're forgiven as we forgive others. So we take that action. I don't understand how that works. I'll never understand it, but it works. And then the holding on to the center, staying in the center, sitting quietly. We find the truth within. So how do we start this process? For me, it starts with meditation. It starts with sitting quietly. If I have a situation come up, what's the pause in recovery? We just take a break. Can you count to 10 seconds? Can you count to 10 before you make a decision? Just sit or count to five. And if I do that, if a situation is aggravating me, I usually see it differently after just even a count of two or three. I'm seeing the situation different. That's a way I can hold on to the center that I can sit quietly. And it's interesting. It said he was made to sit quietly and find the truth within, not the truth out there, but the truth that's inside. So we're looking within the whole time. And what's the phrase that goes with that from recovery? If I'm not the problem, there's not a solution. I've heard that one. So any other comments, guys? That's all I have to Great conversation. Thank you so much. Got a lot out of that. You guys have a great week and we hope to see you next week. Thank you. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.